0: turn with me to uh, the first epistle of Timothy. Need a good authorised version. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, we we were talking about um, over this week is the fact that Many, many people get hoodwinked by the devil. And the basic thing is, the devil always uses truth in a lying way. And we gave examples of how right at the beginning he he lied to Adam and Eve. He said, look, you know, God doesn't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you'll be like him. Now, as an element of truth, God didn't want them to eat. He forbade it. One tree. But the motive was totally false. And then he takes Jesus. Um, when we came to Jesus, he took Jesus up onto the pinnacle of the temple. and He said, cast yourself off. For he's given his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. True. But it was out of balance because thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the devil always takes truth. And if you say there's a grain of truth in something, you end up with a lie. And it's so important to understand that the devil's out to destroy, to kill, to steal. That's what he does. He steals your health from you. He'll steal your uh, sanity from you. He'll steal anything from you. And so... I want to spend some time, we we looked through the various things and then we talked about maturity and the fact is that you grow up. And as you grow up, um, on Friday we were talking about it, you grow up, you develop more knowledge. There's things that 10 years ago I did which today I wouldn't do. Why? Because in 10 years I've learned by life's experience and study and other things, I've learned, I've progressed doesn't mean that what I did 10 years ago was wrong. It was right at that time for the state of maturity which I was in. A child of four isn't wrong to be a child of four. When they're 14, they don't do what they did when they were four. And when they're 24, they don't do what they did when they were four or 14. It doesn't mean that what they did was wrong. It just meant that they had to grow. And God appreciates that we grow up. But there's a problem in the church when people don't grow. And I want to spend some time looking first at an admonition to Timothy given by Paul and then the reason Christians aren't growing. Because what we have in the church today is a lot of people who name the name of Christ who have had a real experience and don't grow. They don't go on. They don't become effective. And... It's really apparent why. And if you look in uh, the um, book of Timothy, the first book, chapter 1, he says this, um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment, of God our Saviour, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace, from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you notice, Paul calls him my own son. He wasn't his natural son, but he was his son in the faith. And you'll notice that Paul made it clear he was an apostle by the commandment of God. And you'll find over in 2 Timothy, chapter 1. He, Paul, an apostle, verse 1 of Jesus Christ by the will of God. According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, he's an apostle by the will of God To Timothy, my dearly beloved son And he calls him first my own son in the faith and then he says, you're my dearly beloved son So Timothy had a special place in Paul's heart And he called him and identified with him as a son And you'll find in Philippians, if you turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2. and you'll find in verse 19 he says this in Philippians 2 but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state for all seek their own not the things which are Jesus Christ but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father He has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Here he says, Timothy was an exceptional young man. He was exceptional in the sense that most people in the ministry, so-called, were seeking their own. They were seeking what they could get out of it. And that is a horrible state for people to be in. Uh, And Paul said he had no man like-minded with Timothy who would naturally care for their estate, not for his own. I, I find that incredible that in the early church, Paul could write and say, Hey, I've just got one man who I know will naturally care for your estate. He's been a son to me. All the rest... They're doing it for other motives. And um, look verse 21, "All seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ." You know, was that an allegation that was false, or was that true? Or was it false or true? Or was it just Paul's opinion? I mean, was it a fair comment? Hmm. Wasn't it a bit critical? I mean, it was um, quite a damning indictment of the ministry, wasn't it? Well, wasn't it? I mean, you know, all are seeking after their own. You know that there's a lot of people. you've got to look at the motives of a man. What is the real motive of a man? What's he really after? And Paul could say there was only one man who naturally would be seeking the things of Christ. The rest, they're all seeking their own. Amazing. You know, Paul would get branded as very critical if it was this day and age, wouldn't he? Oh, you mustn't say that. You know, it's not right to speak out. Uh, You should be one of those who kind of accepts people as they are. But I believe God wants us to be straight. Paul was very straight with everyone. And he writes to Timothy and he says, well, I've got a great guy here. Okay, turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. Let's look at him. Timothy, chapter 4. Well, we'll take verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith, and good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Is that plain? Hello? You know, bodily exercise profiteth little. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do any exercise, but don't get it out of proportion because bodily exercise is only going to profit little. What matters most is your spiritual state. What matters most is your eternal destiny. What gives life is the truths of God. And he goes on, and you'll notice this. He says um, in verse 6, If thou put brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Now, there is a point in which nourishment is important. In the physical body... If you don't eat the right diet, if you don't look after your body, if you don't get a balanced diet, if you don't get good food, you're going to make yourself sick. Isn't that correct? You need to keep your immune system alive, you need to be healthy. And to eat wrong and live wrong and then ask God to heal you is a bit of an insult. There is a sense in which you've got to nourish yourself. But then he goes on and he says, look, there's a way of nourishing your spiritual life. And as in the natural, so in the spiritual. And he said, you're going to be a good uh, minister of Jesus Christ if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Of what things? The words of faith and good doctrine, good teaching. In other words, to live... A Christian life is not just that you come to church, not just that you go and you you hear a sermon, but you have to act upon the sermon. And one of the things, here's Timothy, a son, and he's saying, you need to be nourished. In something that's good you need to testify to what's true you need to warn the brethren hey sound doctrine is important you need to tell people hey the words of faith are important you've got to live by faith man shall live by faith so Timothy was required to be nourished in right things And it is important to understand, there's never a time when you won't be required by God to speak out for what is true. Every one of you. You're going to go spiritually sick when you compromise. You become spiritually dead when you fail to testify out of your mouth the truth of God as it is in Scripture. When you begin to play with compromise, you play with the devil. And you play the devil's game. And so he writes to Timothy and he says, All right, you're my son in the faith. All right, you're dearly beloved. But you better realize that just because you're a son, you've got to do something. You've got to begin to stand up for what you believe. One of the biggest problems with Christians today is that they're fearful of standing for truth. They're fearful of the values. They're fearful of the things. You won't be nourished up. And you won't mature in God unless you're prepared to make a stand for what God says. Sit back and say, well, that's someone else's job. Well, I don't want to upset people. Well, you know, if I make a stand for what's true, it means that people will misunderstand it. It'll affect me. And they compromise all the way down the line. But you'll only really go on with God and mature in Christ when you stand for what is true. You don't compromise with it. You stand for it. Is that plain? And he says, look, you've got to reject certain things. You've got to reject, Uh, verse 1, you've got to not give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies with hypocrisy. In hypocrisy, there are people around who just lie. There are people who speak out things that are total lies. Just what they do. And they're hypocrites. Play acting. And he says, Watch out. And then he goes on and he talks about old wives' fables. You know, there's a lot of old wives' fables that people buy, there's a lot of um, kind of New Age teaching that's crept into the church. Want to watch out for New Age? It's evil. Old wives' fables. <laughs> it, it's quite deceptive because it comes along as supposedly truth. And people plonk it on you, and if you're not sharp enough and you don't realize and you don't know the scriptures well enough, you buy the nonsense. People always want to trap you with some new gimmick. And when it's new, it's usually wrong. John Wesley said if something is new, it's false. Because there's nothing new under the sun, devil's the same. He's always been the same. He's a liar, been a liar from the beginning, and he works out new ideas. You know, people often think in John Wesley's day the Methodist thought that if you gave people an electric shock, you could con- cure everything. You know, with electricity, and so he would give people. He had a little machine to give people an electric shock. Did you know that? Hmm. See? He had an idea that if you got um, a flu or influenza, if you rub molasses on the sole of your feet, you would cure your flu. It would get rid of it. It would go out through your feet. Also, make your socks very sticky. But uh, he reckoned that if you got a stomach ache, the thing to do was cut onions in half and hang them around your belt. And that would cure onions. Uh, They'll cure your stomach, you know, the onions. And people did that. It cured people getting too close to you anyway. Uh, Health comes from God. I know you're a chemical being. I know there are things that will help you. And with refined foods that you lack certain things. Well, just eat unrefined food. Simple, isn't it? And it's very important to understand Timothy had the same problem In his day, lots of gimmicks in the synagogue As I said, they they would burn fish And get the smoke to pass under your nostrils And the theory was that demons would go out with the smoke Um, One very effective They found it very offensive when Jesus turned up And he spoke the word and the demons fled They found it offensive when the word of life and the word of faith began to do what the gimmicks wouldn't do. I'd rather have the word of faith than a gimmick, wouldn't you? I'd rather have the healing power of God than a gimmick. Hmm? Hello? But you can make a lot of money selling gimmicks. Not sure that any of them are trustworthy. And... So, we've got to be honest. It's the word of faith you need nourishing up in. It's the word of life. I was told by someone that if you drank a lot of water, and I mean, there is, it's good to drink water, but I, I read of one woman who drank eight liters of water a day and drowned. I mean leached out all the goodness and the minerals. You can overdo anything, can't you? Hmm? That's a fact, she drowned. Doesn't mean she was trying to swim in the air, you know. Can't imagine how anyone could have drink that much, but she did, and um, she drowned. See, just a gimmick. But when you take it to an extreme, you find the hazard of it. It's much more important that we're nourished up in words of faith. Health comes from God, so let us find our source in Him. Um, Good teaching. It's important as well. All over the world today, you find people are teaching things that just aren't true. And we need to beware of it. Turn with me to... Um, where should we go? Verse 9. This is a... This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. What is? Bodily exercise profiteth. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. What has the promise of life now? What has the promise of life now? What? Godliness. So he says, well, it's all very well. You know, don't think that the promise of life now and that which is to come comes from anywhere else than godliness does that mean that you just sit back and you do no exercise no I exercise I think it's good to exercise it's good to remain as healthy as you can it's good to use your muscles but when you think that's where health comes from you're in trouble health comes from godliness because it's the whole man body soul and spirit that you need to look after Not just your body. Is that plain? Philippians uh, chapter four. Philippians four. says this in verse 6 be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. He writes and he says, look, you've got to remember what you've learned, what you've received, what you've heard, what you've seen me do. It's important that you do them. And it's important that you keep your mind in the right way in God. All over the world today, people are getting out into all sorts of gimmicks, ideas, notions, and they are on television and they're in everywhere you go. And it's so wrong. And their minds and their thinkings goes wrong. And they get into a wrong thinking, a wrong attitude. And you can't grow if you allow those things to get in you. You won't get nourished up, you won't develop. What you will do is become a stunted Christian. And that's what's happened so often. People don't realize that you've got to love God with all your mind. The first commandment was this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. But if your mind is continuously filled, so the strongholds of Satan get into your mind, your thinking goes wrong. And when your thinking goes wrong, what happens, that part of your life goes way off beam. You can't keep your heart and your mind if you don't obey what the Bible says. There are principles in God, and if you don't live by them, you're going to be in trouble. It's as simple as that. And there's warnings. And people never take the warnings. No matter how much you press them, and how much you exhort them, and how much you challenge them... People's attitudes is it doesn't matter. It's not important the word of God. Well, yeah I'll study it when I've got time. Yeah, I'll think about it when I've got time No, God says hey if you want to be nourished If you want to develop you better get that word of God inside you you better meditate on it You better accept the values that God has It's important your life and your mind and your sanity and your, your living depends on it. Not the decision you make, but how you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. People get trapped in all sorts of silly things. Well, there are people like that in life who just can't help being liars. There are people in life who can't help being thieves. They can't help thinking the way they were brought up to think. They won't change their thinking. They won't change their minds to live God's way. They'll always revert to their beliefs. No matter how much you challenge them, they'll go back. And they get lost in it. And God wants us to realize you can't live in your culture and be a Christian. Your culture and Christianity are incompatible. And so Timothy was warned. He was told how to live. It's in sound doctrine. That's how you get nourished up. It's in abiding in the truth. And what has happened in the church and the things that obstruct it are the things I want to look at. Why is it people go wrong? Why is it they don't develop? Why is it they don't grow up? And uh, Maybe you'll find an answer for yourself here. If you know why you don't, then you need to stop doing it and begin to do what Timothy was told, what the Philippians were told. Whatsoever things are pure, just, and of good report. See, I want to find out whether something's true or not. If you look at what's happening today, one of the things that set your trouble and one of the things Timothy was told to do you've got to affirm what you believe you've got to go to people and say hey this is what the Bible says this is what truth is this is it not what culture says not what opinion says not what someone with a cranky way says this is what God says in his word and what's happened in society 70% of young people determine now what's right and wrong by their feelings of young people, they don't any longer look at things and say, well, is this true, is this false? No, it's how they feel. And that's dangerous. And then you go on and you find 25% base their beliefs on, well, I feel it's wrong. (laughs) Micah 6, verse 8 says, What does God require of us? To act justly, to exercise loving-kindness, and to walk humbly before the Lord. That's what God wants. God wants that of his children. He wants us to have the convictions from the word of God. Not from man's opinion, not from society's opinion. Truth doesn't change with age. You know, one of the modern ideas is, oh, well, as we get more enlightened, truth changes. No, God's word is the same. It's eternal. It doesn't change because our society changes. doesn't change because public opinion changes. The Word of God is true. It's eternal. It never changes. And we need to stand up for truth. And what's happening to Christians today around the world is if you stand up and you say there's only one way to God, it's through Jesus Christ. There is no other true faith jesus christ there's only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved it's jesus christ we're christians we believe in the truth the philosophy today is to set aside truth in order to love they turn around and say jesus Um, would want you to love everyone, embrace everyone. But, But there are things that are false. I will not accept what is false. The positive, tolerant Christian today would say, well, I'm indifferent to what is wrong. And what we've got is a whole mindset, instead of people meditating on the Word, finding out what God said, living by God's values... What's happened today is the Christian church has begun to be a mishmash of worldviews, a mishmash of values that come from society. And you say, well, there isn't a right and a wrong. It's what anyone feels is right and wrong is right and wrong. It's how you perceive it. Well, it isn't. That is a lie of the devil. If you want to worship the devil and you want to follow the wrong way, you say, well, it's just perceptions. Well, let me tell you something about perceptions. Perceptions are lies. They're not reality. God's word is true. Jesus Christ is the truth. Not your perception, because your perception is based on your life's experience, whatever that is. Your perception is based on your education, whatever that is. Your perception is based on how you feel, your emotions, or whatever that is. And they're lies. There's only one truth. It's called the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. He didn't say your perception will allow you to choose what's right and wrong. He said, I am. Is that clear? Hello? You have no right to say what is right and wrong outside of the Word of God. You have no right to make judgments outside of God's Word. And when you challenge people by that, and you say, Look, the Bible says, Oh, you don't believe that, do you? Yes, I do. That's the only value there is of truth. Take the Bible out of it and you've got nothing. There is the Word of God, it's the only touchstone, it's the only basis, and it's the only truth. That's it. And once you go away from that, you're in a morass of deception. And that's what's happened in the world. People no longer want truth. They say, well, you know, it, it depends. You, well, you've got to understand uh, the Bible isn't relevant for today. Um, it, it doesn't apply today. Doesn't. And where do you go from there? You have no faith. You have no religion because faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. How are you going to be nourished up in faith if you have no basis for it? Oh, it's how I feel, it's our perception. God deliver us from people who think they perceive truth. My Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But Jesus conditions that. He says if you continue in my word then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's only one way of knowing truth and having freedom. That's continuing in the word. You've got to live it. Not believe it, live it. Not have it in your mind but live it. Whatsoever things are pure, just, and of good report. You've got to live them. And if you don't live them, you'll never really understand them. Because understanding comes with life. Is that plain? No. Is that plain? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, you'll find that Paul defines. Paul defines what's going to happen. 2 Timothy 3. Well also verse 1 that in the last days perilous time shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good heady traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of god having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And he goes on and he starts naming them. It's amazing, isn't it? All those things... And yet they had a form of godliness. They denied the power of it. They they just didn't. Where does the power come from? The power comes from the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. But the good news is Jesus has overcome the devil. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome deception. Jesus has overcome sin. Jesus has overcome disease. Jesus is the answer to everything, isn't it? That is the truth of the gospel. And that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. But when you start standing up and saying it now, people say, ah, yeah, well, you know, look, why don't you go into the hospital and heal every sick person? Well, every sick person in the hospital isn't going to receive the gospel. Why don't you, you know, why is this person sick or that person? Well, time and chance happeneth to every man, but I believe in a healing God, a delivering God. I believe in a miracle-working God. I've seen miracle after miracle. Yeah, I've seen people who aren't healed. Do I have an answer? No, I don't. Do I know why? No, I don't. But what I do know is what God says is true. And if everything in the world denies it, I will still believe what God says. If all experience, all anecdotal stories, deny the truth, I will still believe the Word of God. Why? Because I'm a believer. I believe that God is true and every man a liar. I will not vary from it, I will not bow to it, I don't care what seems contrary to it, God is true. That is called Christianity. It's amazing, you know, to take one example in the, 90, in the United States of America, 96% of people in, in America say they believe in God. But 79% say there are no moral absolutes. What you believe is right, is right. That is totally wrong. In other words, one moment they say they believe in God, then they deny Him. It's totally wrong. As far as I'm concerned, there are absolute absolutes. It's called the Bible. You can't change it. God spoke it. It's the only thing that will bring life. It's the only word That will reach into people's hearts. And without it, we have no hope. Ezekiel twenty two. Look at Ezekiel twenty two. Ezekiel twenty two. What does verse 30 say? Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Read it out. Well, let's do it all together. I'd say one, two, three, and you can start. One, two, three, go. And I found... I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and I found none what was God looking for? God was looking for a person who would be prepared to stand for his values for his truth and for his life and he found none and that is the problem today when you look You don't find people who are prepared to stand up and make up the hedge and stand in the gap. There aren't people who are prepared to stand up anymore. No one's prepared to stand and say this is what God says. This is the values of God. Hey, you can't adjust it according to your desires, your wants, your theories. This is God's word. This is how God says it. This is what I believe. I will stand and I will not move from the truth of God. And a church, to have mature people in it, needs people who are not only prepared to believe, but are prepared to stand and speak out. Say, well, you know, God might say it, but, 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 but you don't understand I do understand very well the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and there's people that get devoured by lies and when you try and rescue them from the lie they don't want to be rescued they say no, the lie is better or more profitable in the end They're looking after themselves. One of the things that's happened, uh, you know, Meadry did an article on it, which I thought was good in the trumpet call, on postmodernist society. One of the things you've got to understand about our society now is they deny the existence of any absolute truth or any universally binding principle. The postmodernists attempt to deny the validity of reason, but in doing so must use reason and thus defeat their own worldview. They claim that no one can know objective truth, but the statement itself is a statement of objective truth. When, when you say, well, no one can know truth objectively, they're making an objective statement with they're arguing against themselves. Dennis McCullum says that postmodernist preachers declare that if we find anyone claiming to know truth, that person we should ignore. Do you know, it's amazing. I've heard that. Oh, he, he says he knows the truth. You should ignore him because no one knows truth. Well, I know truth. His name is Jesus. You know truth. His name is Jesus. He's a person. And the word of God is true. Hey, we know truth. Turn to the person next to you and say, we know truth. We might be unpopular in the world. But we know the truth. Truth is Jesus. Isn't it? Person of Jesus Christ. They exaggerate when they claim that people are prisoners of culture and language. One of the things I've found when I've traveled around the world, people say, Ah, well, you know, it's different in Africa. Well, I've been to Africa, it's not different. Sinners are sinners wherever they live. I've been in South America, it's not different. Maybe their extremes in their culture allow them to certain sins more than others, but I want to tell you something. Sin is sin. And Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sin. And he's come to give us a new life, new hope, and establish his kingdom on his principles, with his truth and his word in our heart. And if we accept culture, or we accept family, or we accept society, and their values above God's values, we aren't Christians we've got to make a choice to totally go against everything that's contrary to the Word of God and stand and proclaim good teaching the truth as it is in Jesus Christ and we stand against everyone in the end Christians are going to have to face it we're going to have to fight everyone (laughs) it's not a question of Uh, of oh well all of society is going to change and agree with you they're not I meet people that say oh the kingdom is going to become so great that everyone's going to be able to know and everyone's going to understand and we'll all become one in Christ I want to tell you it's a lie of the devil it's going to get worse and worse they're going to expect us to deny what we believe and we're not going to do it They're going to expect us to back down. Well, we're here as salt. And we'll be in their wounds. And I want to tell you, it'll sting. And we're here to be a light that's set on a hill, a city that cannot be hid. In a dark place. And the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. And we're here to be a witness. We want to witness against a multicultural society. We say there's one culture that's any good... It's called the nature of Jesus Christ. There's only one way that's good, one worldview that's any good. It's the truths of God. That's what we stand for, that's what we believe in. We've got to realize, um, people are influenced by their culture, but there's countless examples of people who've turned against their culture and being able to transcend the influence of their culture. And you have to do that. You have to say, hey, you know, well, everyone else might say that, but God says. If the whole world tells you that there's an alternative lifestyle from man and woman, I, wanna, I hope you'll be one to say there isn't. If everyone tells you that right is wrong and wrong is right, I hope you'll stand up for truth. If someone tells you their perception is, I hope you'll tell them your perception is irrelevant. What's relevant is what God says. What's relevant is what the Bible teaches. What's relevant is what is true. Don't you dare allow them to take a grain of truth and then make a lie of it because they twist it and distort it and make it into something it is not. Postmodernists teach that those who believe in absolutes are oppressive, exclusive, and violent. They tell us, well, it's amazing that they, they think we oppress people by standing up for truth. We don't oppress them, we oppress the devil. The devil doesn't like it. And his disciples don't like it. And they say, oh, you know, fancy telling people they mustn't do this, they mustn't do that fancy putting values out there and challenging people Well, I do fancy it we should shouldn't we I mean don't you want to believe that people shouldn't steal lie cheat and suddenly the devil's twisted it all around and anyone that stands up for any value that's decent in the earth is considered someone who's wrong Suddenly you're not allowed to say. Not allowed to challenge. Not allowed, oh it's political. Mustn't say it. Mustn't stand. What is wrong with a Christian who wants to stand in the gap and make up the hedge and say, God I believe your word. What is wrong with a man having the right to stand for truth? And what our society is saying is let's quell their voices, let's silence them. It's wrong. God's word is true. And somewhere, there got to be people that stand up for it. Um, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Timothy, my son, my beloved son, my son in the faith, Teach sound doctrine. Teach what I taught you. Stand out against old wives' fables. Stand out against society. Stand out against the common view. And tell people the truth. And today, it's not an acceptable thing to do. But if you want to grow and mature in God, there's one thing God demands of you. You become a disciple of his, you continue in his word, and in continuing in his word, you've got to speak up for it. I imagine Paul, when he sat, and he penned the words, and he said, all Asia have deserted me. The gospel had gone out throughout all Asia by the mouth of Paul, and he turned around and said, the whole lot of them have turned against me. Not one stood with me. And I thought that's that's a pretty rough deal. Wesley said if he could find 10 men to stand and preach the gospel, he could change the nation. I'd like to find 2. There has to be a time where people make a choice. You make a choice and you say, well, is it valuable? Is the gospel, is the truth really a valuable thing in my life? Is it the pearl of greatest price? Am I prepared to sell everything for this field? Or is it just something that I hope I can have and I I just want to share the benefits of it but it doesn't have that much value to me. And when you look at how few people study their bibles really study god's word really want to know the truth really give themselves diligently to being what god wants you realize how little value they put on it thank god there are some but as a question This morning, I'd like to ask you a question. What value do you put on God's word? How much of your life are you prepared to lay down for Jesus Christ? Hey, I mean, if you're not even prepared to stand for Christ, when truth is at stake, what are you prepared to do for God? Nothing. Don't call yourself a Christian. you imagine the song that, that Colin sang at the beginning? Said it so well. People bled and died. Do you realize to have this book in our possession, people were crucified, they were burned alive, they were tortured, they were beaten, they were cut asunder to stop people getting hold of the word of God. Wars were fought. Whole nations had to fight. Men were persecuted. Why, even in our own town, there's, there's the um, William Hunter burnt at the stake at 18 years old. Why, he read the Bible. Puritan. And there's his, a monument to it up in the town. I wonder if they'd put a monument to you I wonder if you were faced with the option of life whether you'd be prepared to make a stand for Jesus Christ or is it so valueless to you that as far as you're concerned you'd just duck down, keep your head down and no one would know. And if that goes on, I'll tell you what will happen. The whole country will lose the freedoms that we had for years and years. They're being eroded and whipped from us now. Europe wants to take all our freedoms. I believe in freedom. But i tell you this, I don't find many people who are prepared to do something for it. We have an opportunity such as we've never had before. If you abandon the judo-christian principles and you take them out of society, you have no values at all. Devil locks people's minds. The strongholds of Satan are where? In your mind. And you've got to start releasing your mind. You've got to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time for you to say, hey, if I'm going to love God with all my mind, I better get my mind in agreement with God. Do you know what destroys a marriage? It's when a couple get together and they can't agree. When they start fighting each other, that's their minds start fighting each other. Love goes out the window. They start despising each other. Why? Because they can't agree. Mind. And you have to love God with it. And if your mind doesn't agree with what God says, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll be estranged from God, and it won't be long before you despise God, and then you hate God, because you don't want to be restricted by His truth. You've got to love God with your mind. You won't want to be challenged. Lots of people don't like challenge. I, I want to challenge everyone. I want to shake you. I want to wake you up. I want to tell you, hey, there's never been a day like this day in the whole of the world. I I look at things day by day and realize we are not just going at a slow pace, we're going at a rapid pace into destruction. And if we don't stand up and get our voices heard, I'll tell you what's happened, we'll lose everything by our silence. It's got to rise till it's such a shout in the land. If churches got together with one voice, there's enough people around to make a difference. These little minorities have made a difference, and we are a minority now, and we have a right to our beliefs. I have a right to believe the Bible, I have a right to live. I have a right to say what I... I have a right to bring my children up the way I want to bring them up. We're not extreme. We're old-fashioned. We've got values. And why shouldn't we have them? Why shouldn't we stand up for what's true? Why shouldn't we be a voice? Why shouldn't we make up the gap in the hedge? Won't it be terrible when God says, I looked for a man and there was none? That'd be terrible. Do you imagine? All the children of Israel, God said, I looked for a man, there was none. Where is the voice? All over the world, there's no leader. It's amazing integrity is gone, values have gone and we've got to come back to it let this mind be in you that was in Christ I've got to think God's way I've got to think God's thoughts I've got to wake up if I'm going to love God with my mind the only values I can hold are His values the only way I can think is His way I've got to put off everything else I'm not going to let my mind be watered down I've not got to compromise with false teachings, old wives, fables, lies of the devil. I've got to stand up for truth. Simple as that. And that's the challenge I want to put to you. I remember years ago, I was in Ongar and I stood up and I said, I just want to say one thing. I'm going. I know what God's told me to do. I don't care whether you come or you don't. I'm going. I want to challenge you, is it time to wake up? Because in the end, we've got to go by the Word of God. Thy Word is a light to my feet. In the end, we've got to stand for what's true. In the end, we've got to be what we are. In the end, we've got to stand. And if everyone else denies us, we've got to be true and faithful to what God says. And I just want to challenge you, are you prepared to pay a price? Jesus said this, if you can't deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you're not prepared to pay the price for truth, you won't get anywhere in God. If you're not prepared to live it. And Christianity demands total commitment, total abandonment, and a giving up of what suits you for what suits him. it's choice choose you this day who you serve society yourself or the living God choose you this day who you're going to be really aligned to choose this day what's going to be the end of you in all eternity are you going to be nourished up in the truth of God in the ways of God, the word of God, are you going to nourish yourself up in your own self-pleasing? What suits me and mine? Those are the choices you have. Be great if there was a clarion call that went out across the world. And God could say in heaven, "I sought for a man." and I found 700 you know Elijah thought there was no man and he was told who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. and God said there's 7,000 you just didn't see them I console myself with the fact they must be there somewhere but make sure you're one of them In the end, you'll please yourself or you'll please the God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Your mind is so important. Develop it in the ways and truth of God. Don't think that you can live outside of it. And if your life doesn't match up, repent. And turn. Simple as that. Okay? Is that okay? Is that plain? Now you know how to go on in God. Change of lifestyle. You can either sit as a silent witness, or you can wake up and say, God has no silent witnesses. The silent witnesses are the Martyrs who were beheaded beneath the altar. Apart from that, you've got to speak. Is that plain? I'm trying to make it plain. It's time to start declaring on God's side instead of against Him. Let's stand up. I want to pray uh, for the sick. Let's lift our hands to heaven. If you've got someone who's sick near you, just put your hand on them. You don't need my hand. You've got God's hand. Father, I just thank you. You always hear us. Lord, I pray your word will have the ascendancy. You're the one who heals. You're the one who delivers. You're the one who breaks the chains. You're the one who's faithful and true. In the name of Jesus, I curse every affliction, every bondage. Lord, I just pray your healing power will flow to each one this day. Lord, do a miracle because you are the miracle working God. Lord, I curse every cancer, every oppression of the mind, every oppression of the body. I pray healing right now. Lord, let that word be health unto them from this day, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And so shall it be.